Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and as always, I'm joined by co-host Dilly Algemer to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey Dilly, how are you doing? Hi Nick, I'm very good. Uh, thank you so much. Please, before I ask you how you are, mm-hmm. may I say hello to your wonderful father, Reverend Houghton? Oh, what has he done this time? I, I think he deserves a special mention on the podcast for being a such a loyal listener. All right. Okay. So, what are you buttering up him him up for? Are you trying to get some kind of the keys to the uh, the pearly gates or something? I'm pretty sure he doesn't have them. <laughs> You're as cheesy as cheddar. <laughs> Indeed, I am. Why? Why are you thanking my father? What is it? Is, is one Houghton not enough? You've got, you've got the best Houghton. <laughs> <laughs> am I allowed to say why? Of course you are. Please do. So the wonderful Reverend Houghton had asked the wonderful, equally wonderful Nick Houghton to let Dilly speak more on the podcast. <laughs> and I am thrilled, people. I could not have put Shut it up, better. Shut up, Dilly. I need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I appreciate it. I have been thoroughly chastened by that useful piece of feedback from my father. <laughs> I'm sure many listeners will agree, but come on. I founded this damn thing. Why won't anyone let me talk? I have opinions. Um, <laughs> I'm glad your father's putting in your place. <laughs> Indeed. So here's a chance for you to talk, Dilly. What did you do at the weekend? Anything nice? I did do something nice. I went to the Botanical Garden in Frankfurt, the Palmen Garden. Cool. What was the uh, what was the standout bit of the botanical gardens in Frankfurt? The standout bit was the tropical plant greenhouse exhibit. Oh, nice! May I say why? Oh, yeah, of course. So the thing is, my brother, my sister-in-law, and my very brand new uh, nephew are in Sri Lanka, and I have very major FOMO at the moment, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is the fear of missing out, in case Nick didn't know that. No, of course I didn't. I'm just a simple man, simple man with no knowledge. Silently simple, that's what they call me. And yeah, so going there, I saw all the plants that we have at home. It felt like, you know, it felt like, okay, this is where I belong, between the Vatasuddha flowers and the jasmine vines and I, you couldn't shut me up in there. <laughs> Were you just talking about all the plants? Yes. This is one we have at home. <laughs> yes, and this is what you use for ins- uh, snake bites. And this is what you use for this. Oh, look at the coffee beans, because nobody can pick out the coffee plants. Do you want to know the distance between our, our cultures, Dilly? Do you want to know how far that distance is? Yes. you talk about snake bites in Sri Lanka, and I'm assuming you literally mean the bite of a snake. Right? Yes, I literally mean the bite of a snake. I grew up drinking snake bite, which is cheap cider and Ribena uh, mixed together. What? <laughs> the two. Oh, I love Ribena. <laughs> you don't like, honestly, it's, uh, if I remember correctly, this is going back a, a ways. This is, let's say, early 2000s. A good Friday night consisted of me getting six pounds, which would get me 24 Rothman Royals, 24 no less in a packet, not bad. Mm-hmm. And two bottles of cheap white cider. And then you just mm. added a little bit of uh, Ribena cordial on top. Mm. And there you had what was affectionately known as snake bite. Because once you were bitten by it, you were fucked. <laughs> I will say, uh, tell this to my father because he currently is the very proud owner of a bottle of Ribena, which you can't buy in Sri Lanka, I'm told. Tell him to order two bottles of White Storm. <laughs> White storm. White storm, uh, white lightning. As long as it's got some sort of thunderstorm reference, it's a, a cheap, has to be the cheapest cider. Cheapest cider. Yeah, when ask you him. smell it, it should smell like the stuff you clean toilets with. That's what it should oh, smell like. Okay, it's pretty okay. it's pretty horrible. But there there you go. There's there's a nice indicator of <laughs> of, of our different childhoods, right? Our different childhoods. And it's nice that you went to the botanical gardens. We went to the Augsburg Botanical Gardens a couple of weeks ago. It's really nice. It's got a lovely Japanese garden, Japanische Garten, which is quite old and it's re- it is really well done and it looks really, really nice. It's probably the standout mm. feature of that that place. They have a, a tropical greenhouse as well, um, which is quite mm-hmm. nice, but it's not as good as the Japanische Garden. But one of the other things I went on an adventure yeah. on, on the weekend, because again, once again, my wife decided just to take all the kids to, the, um, to her parents. And so I had another weekend of freedom. Mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on? This is insane. 
And I was like, I was determined not to spend the weekend just wasting away playing video games and eating garbage food, which is what I did previously. And so I, I, I got dressed and went off into the city on my own, walked into town and I went to the, I think it's called the Maximilian Museum in Augsburg. And they have yeah. a really wild exhibition on the 17th century architect Elias Hall, who is the, uh, mm-hmm. I was very, he's, he's sort of, Augsburg's a Fuggerstadt, and the Fuggers were the bankers to the, to the Pope, and they were very sort of wealthy family, merchant family, banking family in, in Germany, and they mm-hmm. uh, uh, did very well in, in the Middle Ages and the sort of 17th century and and became mm-hmm. very wealthy and they commissioned him to build some stuff as well but he was sort of famous for beautifying the city of augsburg in the 17th century and he built the rat house and the rat house in augsburg is really famous for its golden assal it's this room with this beautiful golden the golden uh, ce- room yeah it's a golden room but the ceiling's amazing Ooh. and and the reason that I, it sort of blew my mind a little bit because i was in you in this sort of museum and it was about his life but what it had was all his technical drawings all his architectural drawings, letters and, and stuff to, for different commissions and like communications between him and his brothers who were also architects and, and, and Baumeisters and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And like most cities that I've spent time in have mm-hmm. been gone through a process of redevelopment. But usually mm-hmm. that was in the 19th century. This was like in the 17th century. So they were like oh. showing you all these different buildings and the different styles and architecture and buildings that had been knocked down. And I, f- I was like really interesting to see like how the whole point of it was to make the city attractive to the imperial family and to the the, the Holy Roman Empress so that he would continue his patronage of the city because it was a, a imperial city. Mm-hmm. And they had the, had the Reichstag, the imperial diet in Augsburg every so often. Yeah, and I was—it was just really interesting to see how they'd come up with all these ideas, and and then from the redevelopment of Augsburg came this kind of wave of of architecture and also art and culture and sort of metalwork, and so it mm. tagged onto the museum the kind of not just his work but the stuff that his work kind of bled into. Mm-hmm. And it was all really interesting, but it was just funny seeing all these kinds of ideas for redevelopment of the city. But it wasn't a load of Victorian blokes talking about it. It was a load of 17th century dudes and fancy mm-hmm. collars uh, chatting about it. I just thought it was really, really cool. A really cool little insight. But yeah. Also, one, one of those things, I don't know about if you find this, I think German cities do this quite well, where they promote even the smallest connection to something or they promote like the little yes. stories within their towns. There's money available from the state to go into city arts and culture in a way that you don't really see in a lot of places. That is true. I, is it an example then, um, if I were to say, like if, if a writer's been there, uh, had coffee, you'd see this advertised on the wall somewhere. And it's so famous that people now also say, so Goethe was not here. Mm-hmm. And I think... <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a, the famous joke about the guy who hung the sign out of his university um, dorm saying... Goethe like pissed here or vomited here or something like that. <laughs> I mean, Augsburg's guilty of that because they promote the fact that Mozart's dad was born in Augsburg, which is like the most lame claim to fame. Oh, he was a good musician as well, you know. And I'm like, yeah, no one cares. <laughs> like when you're yes. to Mozart, no one cares. Yeah, that's true because he apparently Mozart had a sister who mm-hmm. was as good a musician, but her father made her quit uh, because uh, you couldn't go on tours and be a musician as a as a woman apparently oh no you definitely have to get married what a terrible idea in the 18th century <laughs> uh, yeah uh, you got to salzburg you got to salzburg that's very much what it's like it's like this is the house mozart was born in this is the house mozart lived in between the ages of five and seven this is the house that mozart studied in this is the house that mozart looked at maybe decided that he wasn't going to live there and then lived in this other house and it's all this kind of that's the stuff Nick, I have to ask you, so are you generally a museum person? What took you there this time? Yeah, I am. I'm, mm. I'm the worst. I'm not the worst person to go on holiday with. Like, because while well, everyone's like, oh, let's go to the beach, you know, let's go, let's go get some cocktails. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the museum they have on the local textiles. 
like, oh no, you're like that. <laughs> I fucking love it. On we, so this is on our honeymoon. We went to Budapest. Went mm. to Vienna and Budapest, which I can recommend to anyone to do those two things because those two cities need to be seen side by side because they're mm. the two imperial capitals. And it's like we got to Budapest and we'll stay in this beautiful hotel. We got upgraded, best sort of sort of start to the honeymoon. It's all going great. And then the first day, uh, my wife's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go like see the ruin bars or do you want to go see some like street theater or do you want to walk around the city and go on the tram maybe? And I'm like, I've already uh, seen that the uh, Museum of uh, Budapest is uh, open uh, and I'd like to go there. <laughs> so the history of the history of Hungary, basically, in this museum, it was amazing. It was great. I also on dragged your honeymoon. My, yeah. And I also dragged my wife to Krakow for one reason only the only thing i wanted to see i ended up seeing loads of stuff great city krakow but we went to krakow only to see the castle which had an exhibition of armor from the the is it the flying cavalry that the polish used to have so the polish cavalry men used to wear mm -hmm. armor but it had it was winged cavalry and they have like wings on the backs and this is like we're not talking sort of middle ages this is like way into the, the the sort of 17th century 30 years war and you had these these cavalry officers full suits of armor with wings on the back it looks amazing if you've never seen the winged armor of the i think the polish hussars are what they're called and it's so famous that the armored units i believe of the polish army still have winged hussars uh symbols because mm -hmm. it's like really famous and uh, i dragged her all the way to poland just to see this exhibition on on this armor because it looked amazing. <laughs> Fucking love it. I love it. He wanted to answer these questions, didn't he? I did. Yes. I love museums. <laughs> oh, fuck me. Do you not like museums? No. I, really? I just like, yes, I, do, I, I don't generally like museums. When we go to Brittany, I, you can just find me in the sea or just watching the sea. Either of those two locations. You're going to Brittany and you're not you're not you're just going to hang out in the sea what in the yes really oh right, shit. Me, you're googling museums in I'm, Brittany. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what you've missed Brittany museums oh well a lot of them are in french so this is going to be fun for me to pronounce is it like a top 10 museums in Brittany? and there must be somewhere museums of Brittany tourist office here we go this is going to be good there's going to be like a museum of taps or something isn't there a, there is just the Museum of Brittany that you're missing out on. It's got, uh, reveals some of the secrets of the region's fascinating heritage and culture. You've been missing out on fascinating heritage and culture, Dilly. How bloody dare you? I'm looking at like nine suggestions and just below that it says 42 more. There's the National Maritime Museum. Mm -hmm. There's a Museum of the Junkyard. D yeah, yeah. It looks amazing. That is it the, you, you, I can't say it. University... Puete Ferrelier? Yeah, it's appalling French. That is, I am, I, I, I fully apologize to any of, if we've got French listeners or people who speak French or people who just like their hearing. Uh, there is one. The first one is Univers de Poet Ferrelier. Yeah, and you, you're not going there. It looks amazing. Wow. Oh, God, it does. It looks yeah. so quirky. Well, did I tell you? Do you know how easy it is to, to win you over? A Google search, Dilly. That's how much it takes yeah. to change your mind. Oh, there's a fish museum. There's a Musée de la Pêche. That's there fish, right? Ni, ni, ni. Ça, c'est poisson. What is la pêche? I don't know. Maybe it's sailing. It looks like there's loads of great places. There's a submarine base. God damn. Look at all the stuff you've been missing out on. Well, listener, if you're going to Brittany, we've just solved all your uh, holidaying issues in one one fell swoop there. <laughs> I do feel though, Dilly, that I'm kind of procrastinating and I'm procrastinating for a pretty obvious reason, because if, if my watch is correct, it's been two weeks since the last edition of Dilly's Fruit Corner, which means this week is another Dilly's Fruit Corner. And, um, yeah, I'll let you take this away. It's your, it's your baby. So it is fruit is my baby. So Nick decided, without any sense of democracy, 
that Dilly's Fruit Corner will take place every two weeks and not every week. Because, yeah, I, I, I don't know the reasons. I, I weep uh, to it was think just an about edit, that. It was, we had an editorial Nick, I think meeting. you've spoken enough on this podcast for now. We've heard oh. enough about the museum <laughs> visits during your honeymoon. Thank uh, you. We had an editorial la, meeting la, and la, uh, we just decided. La, la, la. <laughs> this week, you had to find mangosteens. I found something better than mangosteens, right? Have you heard of a fruit called an apple? An apple. I think it's called an apple. <laughs> no, I didn't find mangosteens, Dilly, I'm afraid. <gasps> you, you did not? I checked in the Asian supermarket. They didn't have a fruit section. So um, I was shit out of luck on that front. Asian supermarket without a fruit section. What do you want me did to tell you? Did you bribe them? No. Um, what, I, what can I say? It wasn't a very good... It was... It, it, I, Pretty sure it's a front for some kind of uh, money laundering scheme. That's Are you stereotyping like. Asians? No, just that particular huh? place. Huh? That particular place. Just it. It felt like do you know when you won't have done this. You go into a vape shop, right? And it, it it's got like three things you can buy, and you're fairly sure it's being run by the mafia. Uh, it's a front company. It kind of felt like that. There was like four things you could buy that were, there wasn't a lot of stuff. It didn't feel great. And um, so I didn't end up going there, sadly, and uh, couldn't find anything in the shop. So I just went with uh, fruit that I had going about. And since any fruit's going to be good, if it's, as long as it's not a grape, a banana, or an apple, which I already eat, it has to be a fruit that I don't really or haven't tried that much. Okay, I'm in a forgiving mood. What do you have in your plate? I have uh, a very, a very German fruit. Um, it's a persic. It's a peach. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a peach. You've, you have not eaten peaches. I don't like peaches. What is it about the peach that you do not? I like? don't like fruit. What bit of this do you? The whole point of this exercise is, and I don't like fruit. Which bit I of, feel like a therapist. Like you think you, I should you've be chose, charging for this. What's hilarious is you heard I don't like fruit and decided that what I needed was the most exotic fruit that you could imagine. When yeah. actually I don't like fruit translates as any fruit would be a significant step forward based on the no fruit that I eat now. Do you know what I did today? I voluntarily ate a banana and I didn't have to, but I ate a banana and I was just like, Dilly, Dilly would be happy about this. Uh, here's a star for your little fruit chart. You ate yeah. a banana. Yes, I got a star. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I have three pieces of a fine uh, looking. Uh, Please tell me you haven't physic. peeled it. No, I haven't peeled it. I just cut it in three bits. I'm saving some for tomorrow. I don't want to fill myself up. There you go. Ooh, oh, it's it a white keyboard. peach. There you go. It's a white peach. Do you want to inspect the peach? Yes, you haven't washed it. It's not I have not washed moist. it, man. It's been sitting here. Jeez, you're so picky. <laughs> honestly. Like between you and my wife, I, I don't even know what I'm meant to do here. Like I'm trying to improve. All I want is a as a is someone to go, Well done, Nick. That's all I ever want. And no one ever does it. Just, nobody validates you in your efforts, nobody huh? Valid, nobody validates. Well me. done, Nick. Let's see you eat it. All right. Uh, so this is this is my first attempt uh for the record, listeners. The last time I ate a peach was never. So this might actually be the first time I've even eaten a peach. In fact, I'm pretty sure. You're trolling me. No, no, I've never. uh, No, I I was the youngest child. No one made me do anything. That's why I am the way I am. And it's why you never get a word in edgeways. So um, here we go. Oh, it's pretty hard. Hmm. If it was a bit softer, it'd be quite nice. You probably didn't choose the ripe ones. You have to smack them against the wall, and if they smash, that's ripe. If I sma- if they smash, I have to buy them and then throw them in yeah. the bin. Yeah. No, that's a definite. That's a definite win. I I would say I'm very. Um, I enjoyed that. I'll have some more later. I maybe. Have no, some you're not junior. having more later. We can take a little pause for you to have some fruit. <laughs> <laughs> you have three feels, pieces. For what reason? For comparison. It feels like if this is like when my wife talks to my <laughs> talks to my daughter and's like. Finish that glass. Drink this. Eat this. No, you'll eat this. Okay, I'll have another piece. Just to sort of placate Dilly before she loses her mind. Oh. Okay, he's having a second piece. It's from the same fruit. It can't be all that different, Nick. I got a lot more of the uh, skin on that one. Ah, okay. Mm. Is it velvety? It's crunchy. 
Because a man can't choose a peach in a supermarket. Look, if you want me to find an avocado that's ripe, I'm your man, right? If you want me to find a ripe peach, you're looking at the wrong person. I clearly have no track record in that field. This is a nice fruit. I'll be honest with you, I can't see myself going, oh, yeah, you know, I really fancy a peach. But if someone offered me a peach, I might just eat it. I'd say seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. Okay. That's not bad. The gooseberries were like a solid minus one. But those were, that peach I'm going to okay. cover the gooseberry ears at this no, point. No, don't. They deserve to hear how shit they are. They're awful, awful. They're nice. You had the red ones. I made you eat the red ones. Next time I get them, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to do what my instinct told me, get a bucket full of them, pour two bottles of vodka on it and leave them for a couple of months. And then I'll have something that's worth enjoying. But uh, the peach, I can think I could live with. Yeah, that's all right. Well done, Dylan. Don't they have peach schnapps? I think they've done the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, if, if you're asking, do I want to try fruity schnapps, then definitely. <laughs> I did not ask you to try fruity schnapps. You just <laughs> if said, that's what Dilly's Fruit Corner is going to become. You said alcohol together with gooseberries. And I was like, ah, okay, they I'm have peach schnapps. It's just how that, my mind works. I jump from topic to topic. You should know me by now. Is, is this what we're going to do for the Christmas uh, edition of Dilly's Fruit Corner? We just drink drink a fuck ton of fruity schnapps because <laughs> I'm I'm in. Next I'm time, can in. you try can you try ripe jackfruit or mangosteen? Ja- I don't. I honestly don't think I will ever see a mangosteen. Um, but I'll have no. A, you an won't because it's Marcus Söder's county. <laughs> put, they'd probably shoot it if they saw a mangosteen. They would shoot it. And they would probably put it on trial for being some kind of spy. You can um, probably buy pork like 10 ways there, but no fruit. You know, you, you, you're out. actually 100% tr- like accurate on that statement. I, I don't know. I could try and find. What was the other one you wanted me to get? Jackfruit. Yeah, I could have a go at finding a jackfruit. I could see what I can It's in the frozen down. section. Unless the your local section. Asian mafia does not have that. I mean, the, the city of Augsburg's not got a wide variety of exotic fruit, but I'll see what I can find. Are you done eating? Because you need to be seated for this. I'm still picking bits out of my teeth, but I'll be all right. Ew. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your father's listening, Nick. Okay. <laughs> he knows me. He's known me for 40 years. He knows what I'm like. <laughs> so I learned something new this weekend. Do you know the brand name Chiquita? It's a little sticker that you find on the uh, on banana. They're the most popular brand of bananas, right? Mm-hmm. I read a tweet where it said, every time I see this label, I think about how Chiquita is just a rebrand of the United Fruit Company, an American corporation infamous for the banana massacre of Colombia, where they killed 2,000 workers for striking. I was a bit shocked. I hadn't known that, and I will not be buying any Chiquita bananas from now on. Yeah, I mean, the United Fruit Company is notorious for being a bunch of bastards. The Colombian banana massacre was only one of the many fucking horrendous things that they got up to in uh, South America during the, the 20th century. They sort of petitioned the US government to overthrow any government in South America that didn't do what they wanted. So no. there's another incident in 1952 in Guatemala where mm-hmm. uh, the Guatemalan government, democratically elected, mm-hmm. they wanted to give land that was owned by the United Fruit Company to landless uh, people. Uh, mm-hmm. And the uh, United Fruit Company lobbied the US government to intervene. And of course, the CIA then deposed the democratically elected government of Guatemala and installed a military dictatorship. Way So uh, yeah, it's pretty horrible. It's um, American imperialism at its best. It felt awful. Like I tried to read up on it. And um, I mean, of course, I even checked out the Wikipedia page and there is nothing on the investigation and the repercussions and the consequences. It just said, this is what happened and this is how many people were killed. It's got sort of brushed under the carpet because it's co- it was Cold War politics, yeah. right? So so yeah. it was in that moment where America is sort of in the grip of the red terror, aren't they? Um, mm. And if I'm right, McCarthy's in full like... Uh, flow at this point denouncing uh, anyone and everybody um at every opportunity had the uh, senate hearings begun at that point i believe they had by this point so we sort of got into this period of of kind of proper red terror yeah awful just awful yeah it's but I, again it's that thing of like i mean what company 
do you think has a ethical, especially companies that were founded way back in this 19th, 20th century, like they've all got pretty dodgy histories. Um, I mean, is this a, a policy that you you have across all companies if they've got dodginess in their background, you're going to boycott them? I, if I find out that a company is dodgy, I would. Interesting. I, I, and I definitely will not be buying Chiquita bananas anymore. Yeah, I think I'll join you on that one. Thank you. Lovely to have you in my corner. Moving on from banana bands. Oh, I do like saying banana bands. Or banana boycotts. Ooh, great. Bit of alliteration. Uh, I might as well give our regular World Cup update because this has been some exciting developments across our World Cup teams. We chose uh, Denmark, uh, Germany, and England as teams to watch. And there's been some sad news. There's some sad news that I think we all need to take a moment and address. And that is Mm -hmm. that one of the host nations is out of the World Cup. And it's our beloved producers, beloved New Zealand, the Ferns, sadly, uh, lost their final game and so are out of the uh, World Cup, which is a, a sadness. And I thought we'd take a moment now to uh, invite Simon onto the mic to give us his thoughts. What do you think, Simon? How do you feel about about your team's exit? Um, as a New Zealander, I'm pretty used to to dealing with these things, so I get over it pretty quickly and I move on. You know, we um, we had a moment of glory. Is that a tear rolling down your <laughs> no, down your face? No, I'm all good, thanks. Um, so yeah, my just, sympathies are with you, Simon. Oh look, it's fine. I, I, you know, they they didn't deserve to go any further. It would have been nice if they did. They kicked the whole thing off in a in a great way. I think everyone was excited after the first game, and um, yeah, let's see what happens in four years' time. Maybe I think. I think one of those things with the, especially the host nations is, is as long as they pack out the stadium and by God that did that, there was the, every game they played was, was a full house and, and it seemed like the, there was the whole nation was, was behind them. So that's some, some kind of crumb of comfort, I think. Yeah. But I'll invite you to stay on the mic just to comment on the uh, other results that we had. Why, why do you uh, think Dilly's not going to be able to add much to this segment? I, I, have, I have a feeling <laughs> Dilly's just gone. She, she's gone into sleep mode. She's, she's looking at it's, her phone. Uh, she doesn't I'm care. Having, yeah. Just stick your hand up if you want to say something, Dilly. Internet connections. All right, yeah, okay. Right. Here we go. So uh, the pertinent news for a podcast about Germany would be to tell you about the Germany game. And I'm sad to report, listeners, that uh, Germany lost 2-1 to Colombia due to a very last-minute header that took Colombia past the Germans. It was a, It was an interesting game. We were Simon and I were talking about it. The Colombians were very aggressive. The Germans quite passive. A bit of a surprise there, but uh, yeah. What did you make of it, Simon? Well, what a great game for a first, you know, for the for the first round game. I mean, and it wasn't even like a game of death. At least I don't think. At least not for the Germans, was it? I don't know for Colombia. No, no, they still got it well on the way. The Colombia needed to win. Oh, yeah. okay, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, just just what a great game of football. What a great game of football. Yeah, they were really. The Colombia was really aggressive, and it's like everything you want from a World Cup game. It's just a shame that Germany was on the uh, on the other side of a a two one loss. Yeah, I mean, I just I think the defense of Colombian defense was just amazing, absolutely amazing. Germany just couldn't penetrate at all. Next up is uh, oh, that's my team, isn't it? Uh, so uh, England won. Uh, they beat. They've won twice so far. They're they're out of the group stages. They're going to face Nigeria in the next round. They defeated Denmark in a, a very sort of testy game, 1-0 through a beautiful goal from James. And then just today, uh, I sadly missed it because I was doing exams, but England won 6-1 against China. And there's some beautiful goals, <laughs> some really good goals. Um, so I'm very excited for the for the rest of the tournament. I think Lauren James has to be the standout star of the, of the whole tournament so far. She just looks amazing on the ball. She's so comfortable. Fantastic. But considering how depleted the England side was, the three of their best players were out. It's it's just a, a sort of testament to every time I watch a video from the the camp or see anything on social media, they're all so positive. And I think I saw um 
an interview, I forget which, uh, I think it was Georgia, was it Georgia Stanway, maybe, that was giving the interview yesterday. And she's talking about how oh, today's our day off and we get to have uh, like families over and and how that's really important to the team spirit and how it keeps um, the, the team spirit like really high when you've got your family around you. And then it said, even, even Serena's got a family here. And uh, one of the journalists was like, why did you say even Serena? And she's, she's like, oh, well, it's hard to think of your team coach as a human being. <laughs> and I was just like, that's great. And uh, it just seems like there's a really good vibe around the team. So I'm quite happy. But I really, I think all eyes are on Australia. They won 4-0, came storming back from sort of two quite rubbishy games. Against the um, the Olympic champions too, yeah, Canada. They put Canada out. Um, so Australia's really at the at the forefront. I think they're the favourites at this point. Do you think? I was going to say, is it too early to start um, picking favourites? I'd say if if anyone comes up against Australia, they should be concerned because they've got a really um, and I think cares cares back now, or at least is is going to be available. She was on the um, she was on the reserve bench, wasn't she? Yeah, and if and I would say she's probably. Between her and Pinal Harder, it's probably they're the two best players at the tournament. Uh, maybe there's a lot of very good players, but I'd say she's the best. Cares the best goal scorer, so it should be should be interesting. I'm really loving this tournament as it, as it develops. I just get I'm getting more and more interested. I'm I'm steps away from getting a Panini sticker book. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dilly, you can come back in. Come now. back in, Dilly. I'm glad to have outsourced the sports segment <laughs> to producer Simon. We've had to bring Simon on the podcast just because you refuse to talk about <laughs> football. We'll get you. We'll get you next. Remember, next week it's uh, it's another attempt to teach Dilly about football, and we're going to do the offside rule. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not going to do the offside rule. Don't worry. I mean, imagine doing that on an audio an audio podcast. <laughs> like, I'm going to do it with the salt shakers. Anyway. There's a nice little uh, connection to a topic that we wanted to discuss, and this comes actually from, uh, again, from our lovely producer, Simon. He posted this morsel of information from Twitter. Uh, According to reports, Spain's women's uh, national football team have decided to leave their training camp in Palmerston, New Zealand, and head to Wellington early. Why, you may ask, have they decided to leave their training camp? Well, they're all bored. Apparently, Palmerston's not a very interesting place. And uh, because there's so few interesting things to do, they've decided to head off to Wellington in order to, I don't know, go to the cinema. I have no idea what they're looking for. And I was curious, Simon, is is it true? Is, is I mean, is Palmerston a particularly boring place? Is this an issue New Zealand has as a whole? Oh, God, I don't want to get in trouble, but um, there's a bit of a track record with this because John Cleese... Mm. Um, made a reference years and years and years ago to just how boring Palmerston North was. But, I mean, that's what small-town New Zealand can be a little bit like. I mean, it's a very it's, it's, it's a very small provincial city. It's barely a city, I would say. I mean, it has a university, but it's sort of one that was traditionally associated with the agricultural industry. No smart comments. Thank you, Nick. And, um, Man. but, you know, as... as <laughs> As I said to Dilly and Chad, and she heartily agreed with me, you know, I don't believe there are boring places, just boring people. So if you can't find a way to to make your own fun, well, that's sort of on you then, I believe. No more comments about sheep. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and no, I'm definitely going to reserve those for, for a later date. I can't just burn all my best material. <laughs> I really agree with Simon on that, because particularly... Because, uh, I mean, these people were not there for a lifetime. It's not like they had moved there. I mean, you only had to amuse yourselves for what? For a few weeks, right? At the most. Well, and shouldn't they be training hard and, you know, eating well and going to bed early and, you know? But, but this is this is it with football tournaments. It's the big, with any football tournament, it's you're locked together for a long period of time and boredom is the, the mind killer. It's the thing that can really destroy teams if you get people who are too bored and and then a bit listless and you want them to be, you want to be in a nice headspace when they're playing football. So um, I can understand why they maybe moved it just for psychological reasons. But it did make us think a little bit about, we've probably all experienced this, where you, uh, we've all arrived in Germany. It's a big change. We've moved. We've gotten all these different, like this process of getting our stuff here, finding a house uh, and all that jazz. And once the, the stress of moving and unpacking and all that stuff is dissipated and you've had a wander around and you're beginning to acclimatize. 
did you ever get a point where you were like, oh shit, I'm, I'm actually really bored. <laughs> like when you first moved, like, did you find that there was an initial kind of, once the excitement of moving and being in a new place had shifted, did you ever get a sense of like, oh God, what do I do now? I, I just don't get bored. Like I come from a small town and I really do feel, yeah, I know what it's like to be bored, but after many years, I just figured out it's it's on me not to be bored and to do stuff. I've, uh, yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't want to ever give in to that feeling of I'm bored. I mean, I moved to Germany in 2011 in spring. Uh, how can I be bored in spring? I, I don't go out anywhere. I don't go out to clubs and I don't eat out much. I don't know what uh, what uh, Palmerston is lacking in. Uh, did they give any reasons? Like Probably pretty much everything. I think there was someone made some smart comment that the, the only establishment that was sort of open after eight o'clock at night was the warehouse. And the warehouse is like, New Zealand's equivalent of of action, you know, the um the discount sort of grocery mm. store. And I think that closed in Palmerston North at ten o'clock at night or something. <laughs> so shouldn't they be being bed anyway to play football the next day at ten? Yeah, I think though I did see one comment which said that the problem was that they brought a lot of them had brought their families and it was mm. their families who were probably getting bored with uh with life in the quiet town of Palmerston North. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be out. I, I mean, I I went out on so many walks. I started cycling. I joined Netflix in 2015. Yeah. Like when I first moved, there was no Netflix. And like, that was the thing that I thought about was because when I moved, I had no German and I'm sure like you guys the same. And I moved to a tiny little German uh, Bavarian village and not knowing German meant you well watching tv was 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 out then there was like you can't go to the cinema really can you so like this like kind of this like entertainment just being hived off because it's not as accessible and we did we did that thing of like right let's find somewhere to go and we'd go to regensburg and we went to bamberg and we went to Würzburg and we went to little towns and my wife would just choose somewhere and go let's go here but one of the things, the great and terrible things of Bavaria is a lot of the towns are the same in that they're all beautiful chocolate box Bavarian towns. Mm. But once you've seen 15 beautiful chocolate box Bavarian towns and ate, and ate 15 different kinds of Nuschnecker, kind of begins to become a little bit wearing, you know? Mm. And so it's a bit samey. And I found that for me was a bit of a challenge. Like the things that I enjoyed going straight out of university. Well, what did I do at university? Drink a lot, smoke, lots of cigarettes. Snake bite. And, and so, yeah, well, by that point, I'd advanced to uh, beer, I guess. I was <laughs> 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 no longer drinking cheap cider. But what I found I was doing was making little things to keep, because I always need, I need something to look forward to. I'm kind of always living in the the never never, you know, and and sort of. And I always need something, like a goal to to head towards, especially when I started work. And so I do things like I introduced beer Thursdays, which only I enjoyed because my wife didn't partake. Where I just go and buy four different beers that I'd never seen before, and just drink them. Like four was good because I wouldn't be too drunk, but it would be like a nice thing that I could look forward to. So I do stuff like that and try and think of things that were like kind of like what I used to do, but not but different. There seems to be a theme here. It all seems to be based around drink. I was going to say that. I was a, maybe not British man. That was like one of my central core. Like for two years, I didn't. I had to shift into a position of like I didn't really have a social circle. Didn't go out. My life didn't revolve around going and meeting mates and going to the pub and hanging out and and that was gone. And I do remember the day where my wife was just like, you need to find some friends. <laughs> you need to, like, you clearly need to find some. You've been here for two years. You need to go out and make some friends. And she just booted me out of the house and I had to go off. And... Is that when you discovered your brother-in-law, Chris? No, no, no. I mean, we spent we spent a lot of time. We had, he had a friends from school, but they were all like much younger than us, you know? So like that was a bit, it was good spending time with them, but it was also like they weren't my friends. And there was dynamics there that like didn't it wasn't always great like hanging out with them it was nice but eventually you need friends that are your own 
And I mean, this is ultimately how I ended up meeting meeting former co-host Simon in a pub mm. one day. And that's where it sort of led to. That was that was it because that's where British people meet British people in pubs. I mean, I moved to Weissenfels, uh, but last year or the year before last, and I mean, if I'm going to be affected by boredom, then I wouldn't be here now. Yeah. I mean, I've discovered maybe like three restaurants there up to now: a Greek mm. restaurant, a Vietnamese restaurant. And a German restaurant. That's it. That's pretty much it. That was it in the village. There was one good pub. There was a an Italian restaurant that was good and a Czech restaurant that was good. And that mm-hmm. was pretty much it. Um, oh, I'm not even talking about the good restaurants. I'm just, they, they are the they three the restaurants. restaurants. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah. the restaurants. Yeah. And um, there's a DM a bit far away from us, but there's a, there's a Rossmann. I think we had a Rossmann as well. Yep. Yeah. You would sort of have like, but there wasn't, if you wanted to go shopping, you'd have to go somewhere else. Yeah. If you wanted to do something, you would always have to go somewhere else. You'd always have to get a train or get in the car. Yeah. There was nothing really to do. Yeah. I think we only ever went out to a club in the town once and it was such a horrific experience. We left shortly afterwards. There is no uh, club here. Yeah. I don't even think you'd want to go if you <laughs> was one. No. I mean, there's an ice cream shop. Oh well, well, that's always somewhere. It's always something, something good, but you can't can't go there every day. That's a, there's a liability there <laughs> if you go every day. From Monday, the German discount supermarket chain Penny will charge the true prices for nine of its more than three thousand products. Prices will be up ninety four percent across these nine products. And this is to reflect what Penny is termed the environmental price or Umwelt price. And these true prices are calculated by scientists from the University of Griesfeld and the Technical University of, of Nuremberg. And they have done a study to show what the impact of sort of the environment and the impact of, of climate change and the impact of, of the, the current situation we're all sort of living through has on the price of food production. And so, for like I said, for the for the next week, if you go into Penny and buy uh, any of these nine products, I think they include things like Verst and Kaiser and, and and some of the staples. They will be significantly more expensive. The, I think the image I've seen the most is the sausages, which are like three sixteen and are now um, six sixty four or something like that. They're quite quite expensive. Do you, Dilly? Do you shop environmentally? Is that something that you think about when you're shopping? Nick, I don't know what you mean. Could you elaborate? Well, like, do you consider the the origin of your products? Do you think about, like, my wife's kind of addicted to buying bio under the mm-hmm. assumption that it's somehow better. I tend to try and only buy products that are made that, or, like, produced in the local area, certainly when it comes to produce. So anything that's got made and buying on it, I generally buy. Certainly when it comes to the meat that I buy, it's often from local mm. sourced mm. stuff. Uh, which is much easier, I think, in Bavaria, where the, most of the time the butchers is buying meat from the farmer that lives behind the butcher's shop, you know? Mm, so, nice. Yeah. So is it, I mean, is that something you're considering, like origin of, of, like when you buy a lot of fruit, are you thinking, oh, well, you know, this this is coming from somewhere exotic and it'll have to have been transported or, or, or what? A nice training, trying to guilt trip me, you know, Dilly's carbon <laughs> footprint while Dilly's eating fruit. Good try. Good try, sucker. Yeah, just try eating some apples, you know. Come on. <laughs> no, no, I mean I mean see I mean, but like obviously with exotic fruit it's a bit different because mm. that it's something to taste of of sort of a home in some instances or just a thing that you enjoy doing. But like, are you doing it for other things? Um I mean, I try to buy things that are not packaged in plastic. I am very, uh, I mean, when I buy vegetables, I don't do grocery shopping until I finished everything in something. So I improvise like frittatas and other things to finish up all the zucchinis or whatever. Um, So I try not to waste food. I share food if I've bought too much with people in the building, um, that sort of thing. But I don't think that this whole living regionally is a is an option because I live most of my time in Weissenfels and that's the largest slaughterhouse in Germany. Oh, wow. And if I were to eat regionally, I would be eating meat and potato and that's it. Is that is that one of the Tony's factories? 
Attorneys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I think when you've got an industrial meat factory on your doorstep, then you might be a little bit more questioning of the meat that you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. Attorneys don't have the greatest reputation, right? No. Uh, not with uh, workers and production, I guess. Was it production? The scandal was illegal workers, right? I can't remember. There wasn't there something to do with inf- the the meat was there's some tainted meat in the factories or something like that. There was there's a lot of curious things going on with them. Moving away from from the possible illegality of employment within Tony's, let's yeah. think a little bit about about this story from from Penny. Do you think this is a good initiative? Do you think it's something that's worthwhile? I don't know. I mean, living costs, uh, the cost of living has gone up. It's, I mean, things are very expensive. I I mean, where I paid like 40 euros for my groceries, I pay like, what, over 70 now. And until there are scientists who are working to uh, also up my salary to be the true salary, are they doing research into that? I'm not going to buy this. This is just legitimizing things. Oh, it's a scientist said it. It's very, you know, it's very academic. It's a scientist. Uh, you, you know, we're getting the messages from the universities. Really, really. What? So you don't you don't believe it's the true price, or you just think it's a, a bit, a bit, a bit shit? <laughs> I don't believe. I I don't know whether I'm buying this concept of true price. It's supposed to be social justice, environmental factors. And making people more conscious of things. And it's also like pushing people to make certain decisions, right? I mean, nine products uh, have the prices increased for, for the time span of a week. And this is going to be things like sausage and vegan products, maybe? Actually, this is the interesting thing, is that the um, the range of products that include things like, I think there's a Mastam cheese is 94% mm-hmm. more expensive. Viennese sausages are 88% more expensive, mm. but vegan schnitzel is only 5% more expensive. How does that work? I mean, we have been told that um, animal farming has a huge environmental impact. That's the message, right? Yeah, yeah. But also I think the sourcing of certain ingredients and 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 the things like that have, a, have an impact too. Because you've got global supply chains and I think that's trying to reflect that. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I, I feel slightly cynical about it and mm-hmm. it's funny you were talking about do they doing any research into real salaries and true and tr- along with true prices yeah the satirical uh website postillion mm. had a, a headline that was something like penny trial the real salaries for employees to see if it improves uh-huh. their uh <laughs> and their motivation <laughs> and i think this is this is something that I, I was i think i've been thinking about a lot recently is okay maybe if we charge the true price i think it does give us a good sense of like the impact and what we're missing out on but it feels like it's the supermarket that's going oh you know we keep the prices low because we're good to our customers and it's like well why don't we just have a living wage why don't we raise the minimum wage why don't we pay people like in in line with inflation and maybe you can raise the prices if it it does cost that much then raise people's wages so that we're that we can we can meet that or be be better at supply chains you know yeah. or, I, I i was just thinking like when you said so we haven't been paying the true price all along uh what then has the food been subsidized for us are you i mean penny is coming a supermarket chain is coming out as benevolent and that's that's very wrong uh to me uh, who's getting the increased money? What are they going to do with it? Well, fair. The, the, the plan is to donate that money to, I think the group is, well, it's Raver Group that owns the, yeah. that owns Penny, and they're planning to donate the money to climate protection and the preservation of family-run farms in the Alpine region, which uh-huh. um, is fine. I mean, like this is where, um, down here is where the farming happens, it's where the most farmers are, but at the same time, speak to a farmer about the price of milk and how much supermarkets are willing to charge and pay them. I think people would pay more. And this is this is sort of the argument is, oh, people don't want to pay more. And I think actually they probably would for quality. Uh, moreover on that, the sort of ultimate behind this is like, why don't we find ways of alleviating the strain on supply chains by thinking about how much tax revenue we're pulling in? It's another one of those things where I'm just like, just tax the rich. Can we just tax the rich? Can we? Yes, I mean, there are people... <laughs> There are people taking private jets, and it's only a few people who have private jets, right? Yeah. Uh, 
that are always in the sky. And here we are talking about um, people trying to reduce their carbon footprint at an individual level. Mm. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to me that way. Raising awareness is never a bad thing, but I'm just like, how much is this? Like the the, the sort of pennies statement was. And this is this is verbatim from what their, their their statement. We see that many of our customers are suffering from persistently high food prices. Nevertheless, we have to face the uncomfortable message that the prices of our food which are incurred along the supply chain, do not reflect the environmental cost, said manager Stefan Gergens, talking about the, uh, the the new policy. And I just think, well, so you're blaming, you're blaming the customer. That's, that's who's at mm, fault. Mm. Like the people who don't have any responsibility for the supply chain. Mm. It feels like, on the one hand, good, raise awareness, that's great. But on the other hand, who, who are you raising awareness with? And why... Why is it Penny that does it? And why also are they doing it in a period where they know there are fewer people shopping in Germany because they're all on fucking holiday? So <laughs> like, it does feel a bit like, if you're going to raise awareness, mm. why do it in August? <laughs> and also like, okay, if this is going to be like mostly sausage and cheese and stuff, so this is what people can make very quick meals with. It's what is affordable because processed meat is less expensive compared to fresh meat, right? Yeah, exactly. And if people can't afford fresh meat, and this is what they go for, and that they can't afford this either for a week, and this is Penny, the discount supermarket. The responsibility boils down to the very small, poor person. I that does not feel. I'm not comfortable with it. No, I mean either. I think. Uh, I think there's some some still some questions to be asked. I think mm. the media are quite were quite like sort of overjoyed by this story because it was a story in the summer loch. So they have uh, something to talk about, but I do feel like maybe this isn't the uh, the direction of travel we should be going in. No, no, I don't want my food choices made for me by the powers that be. That brings us to the end of the show. We are off to help Simon find a new national team to cheer for in the last 16 of the World Cup. Uh, could I interest you in England, perhaps? <laughs> if you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag DecadesFromHome, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algerman, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks, and be some next to Mild. Cheers! Cheers.